Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. Is there any feeling more wonderful and reassuring than that of being invited in? Especially when that invitation has to do with faith, and most especially when the one giving the invitation is Jesus. Continuing in our current series of messages all about Jesus' many epiphanies to you and me, here's today's message. It's entitled, I Invite You In, and it's based on John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. She had just moved to New England from the Midwest with her husband and their two sons. And truth be told, she was miserable. And really, who wouldn't have been under the circumstances? She'd been, uh, for instance, trained as a teacher, couldn't find a job. She really hadn't been able to make any real friends in this new community as of yet. And, and then, in the midst of everything else that was going on in their lives, her father, with whom she was very close, had died unexpectedly. So now here she was, miles from home dealing with grief and loneliness and an incredible sense of emptiness on the inside. And, and so knowing that she needed something or, or someone, one Sunday morning she ended up at the church that I was serving at the time. Or should I say more accurately, she ended up in the church parking lot. I say parking lot because as this woman confessed to me later, she didn't dare come inside. Oh, she got out of her car and she walked to the church door, but then for some reason that she couldn't even name, a sense of fear and sadness overwhelmed her at that moment. And so even before she opened the door, she just rushed back to her vehicle. But then just as she started the car just to forget the whole thing and head back home, there was this little voice inside of her that told her, oh, you, you really need to do this. Try it again. And she did try again, about three different times, in fact. And, and none of it was successful. Went to the door, went back to the car, back and forth. And that's how it was, that is, until Len, who was one of our church members and one of the absolute pillars of that congregation, until Len happened by. You see, Len was running late for worship that morning. And understand, that never happened. He was always, as I recall, the first one to be there and one of the last ones to leave. And, and as he was getting his car parked, he had seen this woman rushing back and forth across that parking lot like she was somehow lost. But rather than keep right on going <coughs> into the church so that he wouldn't be late for worship, Instead, he went up to this woman, and with a warm voice, he said to her, Young lady, could I maybe help you find your way inside? And pleased and relieved and embarrassed all at the same time, the woman just stood there and started to cry. And she told Len all about it. And Len just listened listen to her story, even as he could hear the organ inside the sanctuary starting to play the opening hymn. 
And when finally she'd finished her story, Len just put an arm around her shoulders and said, well, why don't you just come in and sit with my wife and me? That way you're not a stranger. Friends, let me tell you that within a few weeks of that day, this woman and her husband had become members of the church. She was running games at that year's Vacation Bible School. She was meeting people in the congregation, and by extension, she was beginning to become a vital part of her new community. And it was all because, she said later, because one person, just one person, offered up a personal invitation to a stranger in need. I ask you, friends, is there any feeling more wonderful and reassuring than that of being invited in? Now, I suspect that there are many of us who could tell stories about how as children or even as adults, how being invited in made all the difference in their lives. Maybe someone invited you to be a part of, of some kind of game or activity on the playground that led to friendships that have carried on to this very day. Or or maybe, maybe you got invited to a party or some kind of a get-together where you ended up, much to your own surprise, meeting the person that you would fall in love with. You know, there's no telling where a simple invitation to coffee and conversation is going to lead. Incredible things have transpired over a cup of coffee. To be invited in, you see, is very often the first step in what would be a longer and potentially life-changing experience. And as illustrated by that story I just shared about a former parishioner, it's particularly true when it comes to the church. In fact, let me share with you here that those who study matters related to church growth will tell you that by and large, people don't become part of a congregation because of doctrine or dogma, or or denominational affiliation, at least not so much anymore. And though it certainly plays into it to some extent, ultimately it's also not about a church's program or, or its music or even, shudder, its pastor. People, by and large, the studies bear this out time and time again, decade after decade, people come to church Because somebody, somewhere, at some point in time, invited them in. Now, maybe for you it was your parents or your grandparents. They were the ones who brought you here and admonished you to sit quietly and not be wiggling in the pew. You know, I remember sitting with my grandmother... And she had the little white gloves. And the minute I started move, she would grab a hold of my knee and squeeze tight. I was very influential for a four-year-old. But I was invited in. Or maybe it was the Sunday school teacher who, who invited you into the classroom to, to hear those Bible stories, to, who fitted you with angel wings at the Christmas pageant. Or could it be it was the neighbor or the friend who encouraged you to check this place out and and it stuck? 
Whoever it was, though, I would wager a guess that someone did invite you in one way or another to come and see. And when you did come and see, you were led to find out more. And that led to an epiphany. An epiphany that the idea of faith would become instrumental in your life. I'll ask you again. Is there any feeling more wonderful and more reassuring than that of being invited in? Especially when that invitation has to do with faith. And might I add here, most especially when the one who is giving the invitation is Jesus. That's what our text for this morning from the first chapter of John's Gospel, what Sarah just shared with us, that's what this is all about. Now, last week you might remember that we read Mark's very brief account of Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan. And today we have heard John's version of that same story. And what's interesting is actually... John's version is treated of something as a a flashback. And it it is there in the testimony of John the Baptist as to the true identity of Jesus. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what John says of Jesus as, as Jesus is walking toward him. And it is a powerful confession. It is sort of statement on which the whole gospel of John proceeds. And John the Baptist says, I myself have seen and have testified that this is the chosen one. And yes, like I said, that's sort of central to everything else that follows. But let me, I hope you'll understand when I say here is where the story really starts to get interesting. Because right after this part of the reading, The next day, we are told that once again, Jesus walks by, and once again, John proclaims Jesus as the Lamb of God. But this time, two of John's disciples are standing there along beside him. And so, struck by John's testimony as to Jesus' true identity, they are compelled to follow Jesus where he goes, so they could watch him and listen so they could find out more. And as they're following him, Jesus, who's very much aware that he's being followed, finally stops, he turns towards these two, and he asks them very simply, what are you looking for? And of course, they don't know what it is they're looking for. They, they only know that they want to know about Jesus. And in that sense, they're seeking something. And maybe, just maybe, they would find that with him. So these two disciples did what so many of us do when we don't really have an answer to give. They answered Jesus' question with a question. Rabbi, they say, where are you staying? And Jesus again replies very simply, come and see. Very simple exchange there. What are you looking for? Where are you staying? Come and see. And it's very simple, but you've got to know that there's a whole lot that's significant about this. For instance, you'll notice that from the very first encounter, 
These two disciples refer to Jesus as rabbi, which of course means teacher. Writes the Reverend Mark Havel, who is a Lutheran pastor out of Indiana. He says it's like maybe they were expecting a lecture or something, a reading, a sermon, anything like that. But Jesus doesn't do any of that. He just says to them, come and see. Come, come, come and see. And so they do. See, what's remarkable about this, friends, is that Jesus knew that faith is ultimately experiential. Uh, by that I mean Christianity cannot be learned in the same manner that one memorizes a series of mathematical equations, for instance, or, or can it be logically accepted or rejected on the basis of, of whatever series of propositions that you set before it. Though, admittedly, Throughout the centuries, many, many have tried. And, and, and there are those even today who will try to adopt faith with that kind of reasoning. But no, ultimately, faith is not a formula. Faith is truth. It is truth that is personal, it's all-encompassing, and it's wholly enveloping. It's something that once it becomes a part of you, it affects the way you think, it, the way you act, and it, and it will move the kind of life that you lead. It is, in the purest sense of the word, an epiphany, the revelation of divine truth. But you see, before anything else can happen, first, that epiphany has to be experienced. You know, there's an expression, I see it on the internet all the time, if you know you know. And that's sort of what this is. An epiphany is something you know and you know it when you know it. It has to be experienced. And therein is the beauty of Jesus' answer. When Jesus says, come and see, it's an invitation. An invitation to these two disciples of John to come in and experience the truth in being with him. To experience the truth in dwelling with him. To experience the truth in coming to know Jesus. Come in, he says. Come, come and see. Mark Abel goes on to say that these two new followers of Jesus did indeed get to have that experience of faith and to truly see Jesus. To see him in watching him heal and forgive and tell wonderful stories about the kingdom of God, this kingdom that was alive in their very midst. They watched him live and, and move and breathe and be with and among everyday people just like they were. They saw him love others, to love them purely and plainly. And, Havel goes on to say, they watched him eventually suffer and struggle, and sacrifice, and die, like a lamb of God, after all. And all of this, all of this experience they had with Jesus changed them. It transformed them, and it changed the world around them. It was their experience of truth and faith. It was their epiphany. And it's still an invitation that even in this time and place, Jesus offers to you and to me. 
to simply come and see. For me, you know, the best part of Jesus' invitation is that it's not heavy laden with complicated and often contradictory theology. Now, I realize that somewhere there, a couple of my seminary professors are probably shaking their heads in great despair to hear me say that. You know, theology is our business after all. But truly, I gotta say, at the end of the day, it's all very simple. To quote David Lowe's here, Jesus' invitation is non-threatening. It's clear. It's relational. And it's something any of us could say. And I might add, it's not wrapped up in the promise that you're going to receive all the answers to all of your questions all at once. It's simply the deep and sincere invitation to come in, to to be with Jesus, to dwell with him, to listen to him, to learn from him, and to continue with him in a search for something more than what the world and its culture has to offer. What are you looking for? Asks Jesus. What is it that you are seeking in your life? What is it that's going to give your life its meaning and its purpose? Come and see. Well, of course, that's not the end of the story from John. John's gospel goes on to describe how one of those two disciples who accepted Jesus' invitation was Andrew. And Andrew just happened to be Simon Peter's brother. Yes, that Simon Peter. And it's Andrew that goes to Simon Peter and announces to him that they had found the Messiah, or the Anointed One, as is in our translation today, or Christ, as it is written elsewhere. And from there, Simon Peter goes back with his brother to see Jesus, and Jesus says to Simon, you are to be called Cephas, Peter, the rock on whom the whole church would be built. You see how it's all connected? Even now, how it is all starting to connect? The good news, the the wider ministry of Christ, the spread of Christianity, the building up of the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. It all starts, you see, with this invitation, simple invitation to come in, to come and see. And what happens is that one by one, person by person, they do come in. They come to seek Jesus out. And as they do, the light of God grows in scope. The gospel gets proclaimed. And good news gets told again and again and again. And very, very soon then, God's truth extends And it includes John and Andrew and Simon Peter. And and if you read on from where we stop the text today, next it's Philip and and then Nathaniel, who, by the way, it should be noted, was a little skeptical about it all. Nathaniel asked Philip if, well, really, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But get this, to what Nathaniel says, Philip can only reply by saying, Come and see. 
each one of these first disciples of Jesus, before they were disciples, were people who had heard something amazing. And they answered Jesus' invitation to come in and experience it for themselves. And, and, but then what happens, as, as we find out, they hear all of this, and they can do nothing else but share that experience with others so that they could experience it. Friends, that is not only how the church grows, it's how you and I grow as well. Christian theologian and author Shane Claiborne says it very well when he writes that the gospel spreads best not by force, but by fascination. I love that quote. Let me say it again. The gospel spreads best not by force, but by fascination. In other words, you and I find our faith by letting Christ's epiphany of truth unfold in our own lives and in our own hearts. We answer Jesus' invitation. We seek to follow his way. We set ourselves to learning about his love, his grace, and his mercy. And, and we seek to make that somehow apply to our lives and to learn how it can be offered up to others around us and ultimately to the world. Even right now, friends, at this very moment, Jesus is there to start that process up again, to start the ball rolling, as it were. Jesus invites us in, each and every one of us, to come and see, to experience what true faith and salvation is all about. The invitation is out there. I guess the only question for each one of us is if and how we are going to RSVP. That is very definitely something for us to consider this morning. How will we answer Jesus' invitation? And then what will we do with what we experience? I hope and pray that each one of us will answer after the manner of the hymn we're about to sing. O Lamb of God, I come. I come. I want to see. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to live in a way that I have never lived before. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. I come. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, I Invite You In, part of our current sermon series, All About Epiphanies. It was recorded during our January the 21st service of worship at East Congregational Church, where we would love to have you join us in person for worship. We come together every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road. That's just off exit 16 of I-93 in beautiful, wintry Concord, New Hampshire. It is a great way to spend a Sunday morning, and I would love the chance to welcome you. But for now, that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. As always, I thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.